South by Southwest, as many of you probably heard, was canceled. Guess what wasn't canceled? The desert. <laughs> Our trip that we went on instead to Joshua Tree, where we watched lots of movies, lots of TV, but most importantly, Ernest goes to camp. And there's a lot to unpack about this first uh, installment of the Ernest franchise, wouldn't you say? So first of all, I know... Last time we talked about how, you know, I was familiar with some of these movies. I watched them as a kid. But, man, I was totally unprepared for where this took me. Like, emotionally yeah. went to places I was not expecting in the slightest. Yeah, I almost teared up a couple of times. But as you know, Frank, I am a sucker for bullying, especially mean kids being mean to, in this case, Ernest, but also to other kids. Yeah. It really makes me cry immediately. And it makes me feel so bad. So the film opens. We see this lovable groundskeeper. He's climbing up a ladder. He introduces himself and his one, you know, want in the world. Who is he? He's Ernest. What does he want? To be a camp counselor, which I thought was an adorable thing to want as your most, like, you know, he's not like a disgruntled exactly. guy who's like, relegated to working at the camp because, you know, he can't get another job. He, like, really wants to be yeah, there. He's not a crusty old-timer who hates his life. No! He's and he's not crass at all. He's, like, very genuine in his want to be a counselor. I was struck by how all of the camp campers looked exactly the same, and they were white boys with blonde hair and a mushroom cut wearing those, like, big, almost like a big dog t-shirt. Mm -hmm. exactly. Remember big oh, dog? Yeah. yeah. Um... Or at my school, we would wear a big white shirt that said hip to be fit because we got those shirts for free from this, like, PE program. Nice. But for some reason, you would get the shirts if you could do a certain amount of pull-ups or something, so it was, like, a kind of a status symbol. And those still. little yuppie kids... No, <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I had those shirts, though. Um, made up the entirety of the camp. And they're already, from frame one, torturing yeah. Ernest. They're getting right. there on the school buses, and they're jamming his poor fingers into the window of the bus. They're already abusing him. They're like, abusing him. They're, the they're setting little kind of booby traps for mm -hmm. him. And um, they really set you off that, er you know, from the beginning, that Ernest is sort of an outcast. Yeah. He's beloved by the kids, but he, he's often, often jokes are made at his expense. Which is becomes really repetitive, but should we also interject real quick and say that there's a, a very unexpected prologue to the Oh film, my god! Which, <laughs> for the first open. few seconds, yeah, we didn't know where it was headed, what it meant. Yeah, explain that. Well, from what it shows is there's these, an unknown Native American tribe who, they have this, it almost looks like it's either some kind of uh, torture or some kind of sacrifice or something, where they have... One man tied up at a post, it's all lit at night, by firelight, and they slowly take shots at this person, at this man who's tied to this post. They shoot him with a knife. First a knife. Secondly... A hatchet, I And think. then third with and an arrow. With an arrow, And so yeah. each time the idea is that they keep trying to get closer to puncture his skin, and they don't. 
He's some kind of magic boy. So this is some kind of magic boy. And was I wrong that like <laughs> there was a superimposition or that Ernest Jambardi actually had his face? I don't know. We, we also were saw watching this... it in the day in yeah. the desert in the high sun. Yeah. I had just taken a gummy, um, a, right. a funky gummy. For the desert. Um, for the desert. So I can't be trusted to remember exactly. But you saw it too. I think so. <laughs> yeah, so, so you and I, I should, I should say I had a gummy as well. So right. we each, under the guise of gummies, thought that we saw <laughs> Ernest playing this man. It gave me pause because immediately we looked at each other and we said something to the effect of, oh no, it's just like some kind of well, my stereotype. Biggest, yes. Ernest is like playing a Native American. You know, we didn't know for a second. Yeah, my biggest fear in beginning this project was that we would revisit this kind of like innocuous thing at the time, but then it would be really racist or really insensitive right. and right. address that. But thankfully, in the end, I think when it he totally was very respectful when toward... Totally so yes, yeah, so now we'll jump back yeah. to Camp Kikiki. Yep. <laughs> camp Kikiki. Mm -hmm. yep. K-I-K-I-K-E-E. <laughs> Kiki, I think, or K I K A. I think it's Kiki. So, the counselors at Camp Kiki, before you know, Ernest is just the groundskeeper at this point. They're gearing up for um, a group of campers coming in from the juvenile detention center that they've dubbed Second Chancers, and there's this delightful character called Stennis who is like the head of the Aryan camp, and he really hates having to mind these second chancers, these like troubled boys. At, so much so that at one point, one of them who cannot swim, who's this tiny child, and falls into, only, is pushed. the only African-American of the second chancer yeah, that might have. Yeah, which was not great. But, it should, but also, him being the villain, it felt like, this was coming from him. Racially being, motivated. They, well, yeah, yes. it felt like it added to the, the terror of this, so of this mean counselor. So this child is pushed by the white man, Stennis, yeah. into the water. I'll teach him he's, how to swim. He's flailing him. his arms and crying desperately for help. Thank God our hero Ernest is there to save Ernest him. Ernest is there to save him. And in retaliation, these troubled boys push Stennis from his lifeguard perch yeah. <laughs> into the water. To which, And then he exclaims, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, five times. We each thought it went on for so long <laughs> that I thought that maybe a shark had grabbed hold of his <laughs> leg, like it was moving into like piranha territory or but something. But then they kind of gloss over later right. when they're all coming to grips with the fact that he's like broken his leg. Right. He's out of commission for the summer, and now there's this opening for a counselor, and Great Ernest setup. coming right off his heroic turn and saving this child. Um, kind of steps right in, and that is how Ernest becomes a counselor. The very thing he's always wanted. And that was a huge moment for me. I really liked to see him, you know, get that position. I felt that he deserved it. I felt that he's obviously the only person who's made an effort to try and communicate with Chief and right. to learn the sign language, and he also mm -hmm. really cares about the kids. I think he reveals um, in this, like, around this time in the script that he's a veteran, that he's been to Vietnam. We both had a, a real moment watching this because there's a moment when he's, he's taking the kids out as their guide through the woods. And he goes, you know, back when I was in Nam, and he starts They kind of played off like a joke. Well, but he's taking but what he says, Bible Plate so seriously. 
Yeah. And the kids interrupt him. They don't want to hear, but they think he's just get you know gabbing on. And then he tries to continue. They keep interrupting him. But it was a real moment where Joss and I even looked at each other and we thought, I was like, this is it. There's a whole nother. There's a whole other deeper storyline going on here. A darker storyline. He couldn't save his buddies. In Nam. He's yeah. He's used to being out in the wilderness with groups of men, and like this yeah. is where he feels comfortable, and he feels like he has this sort of calling to help these kids become men and I think there was like something that he said or some kind of far off look that made me put all this together and think like this is not just that we should also say there's not there's no smack of like creepiness to this with him like wanting to help the kids no 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 it's it's, all genuine it's all very genuine and it's all very innocent but I think it's also like a little dark like he he lets go a few lines and later Right. But it'll come into play more. So he gets he gets very he's a very vulnerable character, and most other characters in the the film don't bode well with that. Like either don't like his vulnerability or they make fun of him. But the one little boy who was thrown in the water, is mm-hmm. kind of becomes his one friend. Becomes he's the one kid that moose moose. They kind of have like a connection with a little bit. Yeah. But I'll say to the point about the Vietnam thing is. That was one of the points where we looked at each other and I thought, oh, wow, like, Jim Barney is playing this straight. Like, he's playing it funnily, like, they, as a goofy <laughs> character, but the heart of it is straight. It's and motiv- it's like, it has real motivation. It's real motivation, and you can feel the wounds on this guy. Yeah. You can feel the wound, and it was a very unexpected moment where he talked about Vietnam. Like, it, I was like, wow, this, very... this is starting to feel like a drama. Yeah. But there's several moments throughout yeah. this that feel like a drama, yeah. and we'll get right. we'll get to some of those later. So, Ernest, of course, takes Stennis's position, and is now in charge of the second chancers. And the boys are a little bit reluctant to be pro Ernest at first. They're pranking him, like we've seen yeah. so many times by all these other you know children who are so dreadful to their uh, warden. Um, but once he starts camping with them. He introduces them to the chief and to nurse, yeah. and they actually do a callback to that cold open, yep. where she tells them the story of you know the plains warrior and mm-hmm. how when they came of age, which is like uh, most of the second chancers I would say are preteen age, but they're obviously really interested in like being tough. Um, they make reference to the fact that they've stabbed or right, you know, like they're they've in ju- they're shit. in juvenile detention <laughs> for a reason. Right. So this really connects with them, and they start to really love Ernest and stand up for him. Um, right. They get so into their uh, the Native American heritage, in fact, that they decide to make a teepee, which I think is part of a contest they were having camp-wide. So the one thing about this this camp, i got to say, too, which is interesting, and I think it's because it's run by an actual chief because he owns the land, mm. is that all the activities that the camp counselors have to do with these white boys is teaching them things about this tribe and like about Native American culture, which I found really interesting. And it wasn't done like in a uh, goofy way, like the mm-hmm. like the one older camp counselor who kind of runs it. Like he was very much, you boys need to learn how to do this. This is part of history. There's a real respect there. So it wasn't done as like... You're not just taking a piss the whole time. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's a little dated and not as sensitive as it could be, certainly. But I was actually pleasantly surprised. Right. That there was no part Absolutely. of the plot that was like, 
they were savages or that they were going to, No, like, it was more like, know. this is really interesting. You should learn, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you're, it's important to note that Tipton, yeah. who's the older, you know, kind of dad age mm -hmm. male counselor, he really runs the camp and the chief is the owner. Right, um, right. So, okay, so they make their teepee and it's promptly burned to the ground by some of the white yappy kids. Right. Um, the leader of whom is a an appropriately waspy <laughs> waifish yeah. kid named Pennington. Um, and then the second chancers, because they only really know, you know, jail jail yard politics. Yeah. Um, they beat the shit out of Pennington. Right. And of course the brass blames the second chancers and they're like, we got to send these kids back to the juvenile detention Which center. Which then looks bad on Ernest because he's in charge of them. He's like, Ernest, you just are letting this get out of hand again. Yeah, like I didn't you know. expect that from you. And, and time and time again, Ernest keeps looking bad to the superiors. Right. When like, look who he's compared to. I mean, Stennis is a nightmare. The other counselors like don't give a shit. Yeah. And Ernest really wants to excel, but he keeps kind of you know, getting embar embarrassing himself or right. through circumstances making it look bad to his superiors. So I, then, and then there's a very moving scene, I think, between him and Moose, where, yeah. you know, they really think that the kids are going to have to go back to the juvenile mm -hmm. detention center. And Moose says, like, are we really going to have to go back to juvie? And I think Ernest says something along the lines of, like, if it were up to me, you know, you'd stay right where you are, you'd but it's be, not up to me. You'd be here forever. Yeah, you'd be and here forever. And the kid's like, yeah, I wish I could like, be here forever. And it really shows... This kind of parental dad figure that he wants to be very bad. And, and it kind of makes you think back again to Vietnam of like any of the young boys that died alongside him. Like these oh like, God. you know, these people that lost that like he couldn't help that he's now trying to make up in a second chance way. Mm -hmm. Aptly called the second chance kids. Yeah. For for Ernest because in a lot of well, ways really this is this is really Ernest's second chance. Oh my gosh. That's you know, from so, a narrative point of that's view. That's so beautiful, Frank. I never know? thought of that. Like they're his second chance to do what he couldn't do for his friends in Vietnam. And, they, and they're deemed losers by the rest of the camp, and they're given to Ernest because they think he's a loser too. And what they right. don't realize is that Ernest leading these kids are going to lead to an exciting climax, which we should bring up now, is that there's a whole subplot happening. Yeah, this where, is the kind of subplot that, like it reminds me of the movie Newsies, where like there's the whole newspaper barons. And I, I would always, you know... Fast forward my VHS right. to the next song. This is like very fast forwardable from a kid's perspective, and even from mine, I was like, yeah. And yet, I I will say I think it adds to uh, well, one, it gets to some really dangerous places, which involves live rounds of gunfire <laughs> by the end. Oh, well, it's super uh, important to the plot. It's just boring. It is, but but I'll say that like uh, the thing that's interesting is basically there's this land development. As in every villainous cartoon situation. I think you're referring situation. to Sherman Crater? Sherman Crater, played by, I believe it's the late great character actor John Burden, who has a very theatrical way of speaking. <laughs> and he's very intense with everything he says. And now you listen to me, boy. That's this is really how it's impression. going to get done. Yeah, that's very good. Boy, fetch me my gun. Like, he has <laughs> yes. that kind of mentality, right? Mm. So this guy wants to take over this land, this sacred land, Kiki. Kiki Kiki. And put like a condo on it or something like no, that. No, no, he wants to mine it for um uh petrocyte. He's petrocyte, like there's there's right. like valuable petrocyte, it's like worth more than gold. Right. It's right more underneath than gold, this like land. Okay. So he wants to take over. So around this midpoint of the film when you think, okay, it's gonna be just 
you know, these waspy, the rich kids at camp versus the second chance kids, it takes a different turn where you realize, oh, wow, they all have a common enemy, and the only ones who may be able to stop it are Ernest and the second chancers. Right. So, um, using his um, knowledge of sign language against him, Sherman Crater kind of poses as a do-gooder and says he's signing, he's got, like, he needs signatures for his, like, petition to save the land mm. from greedy, you know, capitalist fat cats or whatever. And so he asks Ernest to translate that to the chief and if the chief will sign the petition. But really, we, the audience, and evil Sherman Crater know that it's not a petition against developing the land for petrocyte. It is actually the chief signing away the land. Right. So... All hell breaks loose. It's honestly... The camp's getting shut down. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And then they all, once again, all blame the white Ernest kids go home. that somebody, somebody got to the chief and convinced him to sign. It's, now, the, it's Nurse, in fact, who calls him out It's Nurse who that. calls him out. And even though Ernest was the guy that got the chief to sign, it wasn't a translation problem because he can speak with the chief. The problem was that Crater lied. And said that this is about preserving what's there. So it's it was a really kind of like movie trope, don't you think? Where Absolutely. like he could easily explain that, and maybe people right. would go easy on him. But it was like they don't give him a chance. Yeah, they, they, and then nobody the talks sad about it. Music yeah. kicks in, so it's like one of those kind of plot things where conveniently he has to hit rock bottom around this point Absolutely. in the script. So all the white kids go home. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to send the second chancers back because they're already on their last straw anyway, and camp is closed because right. the. Because the chief doesn't own the camp anymore. Right. So. And then Ernest kind of makes a promise to the nurse that he will handle things and put things right. Um, and. He tries. He tries, but what he does is that he convinces the, like he rallies the second chancers to stay behind, putting their lives in danger, the lives of children in danger. Um. And he, he talks this big game about how he's going to go over there, he's going to find Sheldon Crater, and he's going to beat the shit out of him. And again, he's like, schoolyard boys are very into this. Because they're, that's what they know. They know right. violence, this they know these like manly, you know, they think being yeah. a man is right. kicking ass. Right. So they're down to stay. Nurse brings up some very practical concerns about yeah. the children staying, but Chief is... All for it. He actually comes and blesses the boys, giving them kind of like a mini warrior uh, ceremony. Right. To bless them in their fight. Children, against, against children fighting. Against Crater and all his who construction men who are armed and brutal. So Ernest marches over there and he doesn't find Crater, he finds one of his goons, this like seven foot tall right. mountain of a man, and that man proceeds to beat Ernest within an inch of his life. As the boys watch. As the boys watch, and I don't think they laugh, but they're definitely like, come on, Ernest. You well, like, they're because really Because Ernest talked a big game, and he was like, hey, come on, let's show them what we're made of, or that kind of thing. You know? They definitely like demean him when he's at his absolute bottom. Right. By being right. Like you, and he's like, re like, really graphically, like his eyes swollen shut. Which leads us to my favorite scene in the entire film, oh! which yes. is the nurse is tending to his wounds in her nurse's office. Mm -hmm. And Ernest starts to cry and break down. And there's no music. 
it if out of context, if you saw this scene, you would have thought it was a drama. He says, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. And he's choked up, he's cut, he's bruised. The nurse is still kind of mad at him. The second chancers turn their back on him as he walks by, and he's like, I've lost everything. My friends, the chief's land. He's just like so upset and rock bottom. Literally yeah. rock bottom and yeah. like Jim Barney is so He's good at great. this. Like, He's I, really great. I couldn't believe it. I think I was laughing only because I was shocked at how yeah, how's happening. Like how is this how serious movie? it was treated? Yeah, because like yeah. you know, Mighty Ducks or like any like kids kids group movie, they have a low point, but it's always like oh, I guess we'll have to come back next year. Yeah, and, like no one's actually like heaving and sobbing and you saying I've stakes. lost everything. You feel the stakes with this guy because he had so much to lose because he has hardly anything. So the little that his character has, the stakes are that much higher to save them. And this is kind of tied into another sequence which totally took Joss and I by surprise. It was again, directly we following other, this. Which that. was, there's a musical sequence in the film. I mean, our man Ernest sings a ballad, the likes of which I've never, I mean, I can't compare it to anything except for like a sad Kermit song. It's a, it's exactly it's what that totally is. It's totally a it's, Kermit song. The total song. tone is a, a Kermit the Frog solo song. And he sings it too, funny enough, his turtle. Ugh. It's like, you know. Which is so. It's like his little oh, pet. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't even think about it. It's, I, I really think I, I blocked it out almost because I was become so engrossed in how low he was that I started to feel really worried that like. It wasn't going to be okay for him. And I know that this movie tonally... Wouldn't have gone wouldn't have go, But, like, but I, I couldn't have been convinced at that time, watching this, that it was going to be okay for him. Like, it really seemed bad. And... And his singing is really heartbreaking. The, the lyrics, the lyrics a are beautiful great. Voice. Yeah, and the lyrics are really well written. I can't remember all the lyrics offhand. But the lyrics the are lyrics not are dumbed like, down for kids. No, no, no. Like, no, no. Very, it's a really great song. It's really, it's like, song. vulnerable about, like... I don't know how... To go on from here. Right. Etc. So, thankfully, thank God, the, both the nurse and the second chancer see the error of their ways and they apologize to Ernest. Yeah. Um, they decide to fight back all as a group. But that's, yeah, this doesn't mean they're going to stop their no. massacre. In fact, they're going to get it even harder in the situation. So the chief decides that he's going to bless these children and Ernest. Mm -hmm. And the nurse is the only one who's actually kind of like, maybe you guys are should slow down and right. Ernest in a very intense moment says they're not taking this land and it's a moment where when he says that you see he's standing at attention in a lineup of boys as they're all being blessed by the chief and it was a great moment of respect for Ernest and not only is our hero of a guy who has good values and like respects these people's land respects this space also is like a place for these boys to play for people to learn. But in that moment, you see Ernest the soldier. You see Ernest from Nam. You, right. see, you see a moment, there's a glaze in his eyes. It's both kind of calculating and horrifying, but also very sincere and wounded. And you, it takes you right back to it. And this is after his musical number. This is after he's cried in the nurse's office. Like, you've had all these scenes. And I felt the way he looked up at this point. I mean, I had been dragged right. through the muck. Yeah. I have gone through, through all this bullying, all of this right. fighting to get the job that he wanted, getting right. it, losing it, losing the respect of the camp, losing right. the respect of the chief, like, all of this. 
culminating at this like knock down, drag out battle yeah. between children and armed bad guys. Yeah. Like bloodthirsty capitalist bad guys. And people get really hurt. They do. I, mean, I don't know if people die, but they definitely have big fight sequences, and then you never see that character again. There is a scene where, where Ernest does, I think, somehow throw an... Ex there's an explosion. Like, he causes an explosion in a tractor with the goon who beat him up earlier. Yeah, real and, vengeful. And I moment. think the goon does stumble out kind of charred and alive, but but I think it's a moment... Forever you think For beat. a second, like, man, I think that guy blew up. Like, for a split second, you're like, yeah. this is getting some... Into some brutal territory. And all of this culminates in a major throwback to the yes. ancient warrior ceremony where the, the big bad guy, Sherman Crater, Crater has got Ernest in his sights and with kind his, of like with his gun and, and trained he's, on and he, him. By the way, he's he's left his businessmen and his cohorts in suits, by the way, we should add, and he goes, No, it's personal. And he decides that like He's just going to not be... Mono a mono. Yeah, he's just like, I'm going to shoot this guy. Like, yeah. this businessman type oil... It's like tycoon. He's prepared to this kill Ernest. He's just going to kill Ernest. As like, though, he's got to yeah. that point. As though know. that's going to help him. Yeah, he's court. like, yeah, let me get my gun. Right. Anyway. Right. So, he's got his gun trained on Ernest. He fires a bullet. Ernest closes his eyes in horror. And the bullet doesn't... Do anything. Do anything. So, you think, okay, maybe he missed... The crater like furrows his brow and, like, and he mm. takes a step closer, takes another shot, fires again. And Ernest's kind of patting himself, looking down. He can't find any entry wound. He doesn't feel hurt. And it kind of gets <laughs> funny. Of, even he keeps going, and Ernest keeps hamming it up. He's because just like, then he can't be, can't Ernest be. realizes then that he's okay he's somehow. Invincible. So then he kind of revels in the moment himself and, get, and kind of gets a little cocksure, and he's like, it's "Hey, nice he's, to see he's him like, happy he's though. like, he's like, you know what? Yeah, you can't hit me with whatever you're doing wrong." He's like, "I don't know how this is happening, but you're not, you're not shooting me." Right, and then you know. of course it sh it goes back to the second chancers who are like, "He is the warrior." Right. Because he can't be hit with the knife or with the the three tries. There's the rule of the, thirds right. that are happening in this. You know, it's not a direct. I mean, I think it could have been more clear if he did try to hit him with a knife, a hatchet. I and guess an arrow. this businessman doesn't have. He is his assault rifle. But it just almost was like, well, if Ernest is invincible and has been this whole time. But he's not been the whole time. The idea was that the chief oh, blessed okay. him for oh, this right. fight that was tied into. The chief gave right. him the It wasn't that he has that on his own. So balance is restored in Camp Kikiki in an epilogue um, where all the little white boy campers come back in their big dog t-shirts yeah. and the nurse thanks Ernest finally for yeah. saving like literally the entire day. And you know, a lot's changed since we first met Ernest, you know, like the camp I is mean, saved. He's a counselor now. The chief fully speaks English. The kids have respect for him. The kids respect him. At the end, he's a counselor. He goes back to working on a ladder, being a kind of a handyman counselor. And it's almost like things are kind of back to normal. Because then Ernest gets goofy again, messes mm -hmm. up, gets hurt in an accident to, come, to make the story come full circle. And when that happens, though, it's kind of like... Everybody kind of laughs and shrugs again. It's like, oh, that's our, our man Ernest yeah. kind of thing. So in some ways, it goes back to the way it was, but only with the slight small arc that, like, Ernest saved the camp and maybe the second chance kids actually have respect. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me that we've seen 
the dark side of Ernest. Right. How much he stands to lose, how willing, how hard he's willing to fight for what he wants. Yeah. So when it returns to that kind of like goofy, wily coyote, yeah. sort of like goofy stuff at the end, you're really like, wow, he's choosing to be this beacon of kind of like slapstick pure joy for these yeah. kids, whether they respect him or not. Like he, yeah. he could be the Vietnam vet that is like tortured by his buddies yeah. who are gone. He even could be like this kind of like bravado guy swooping the nurse off her feet and like impressing the chief. But instead his yeah. dream is to be a counselor and part of his gift is to give these kids something to laugh at. So in some ways it's kind of tragic because you're like, will Ernest ever really, even though this was like, Ernest may have won the battle, will Ernest actually win the war? And that's kind of the moment that you feel at the end when it almost seems to have gone back to what the status quo was. Yeah. And it makes you wonder. Like, it, to me, it was a hanging question. And, you know, and the thing, that, again, we've, we've said this over and over, but I really was pleasantly surprised by the drama of this. And I think there's a whole... And the heart. There's a whole B storyline. There's a whole other version of this movie that could have been a more dramatic reading, you know, without some of the slapstick, without some of the, the, the fighting on the camp, which is just about a Vietnam vet <laughs> who's working at a camp because he wants to help these kids. Mm -hmm. And I think it's nice to, like, imagine those kids who are coming to camp for the first time and they see this I think we're meant to believe that he's going to be a counselor the next summer, not just a grandson. Yeah, I think, I think he did retain But, that, like, you see this kind of goofy position. counselor that's the butt of everyone's jokes, and you wouldn't imagine that he was the one who made the camp possible this year, who saved everyone. Right. Who right. kept everything under control, put out literal fires, saved literal lives. Yeah. You know, like, he's sort of a... Happy, he's happy not to be a hero. He just right. wants to be a counselor. For Jim Varney and the character in the world he creates, it does feel out of step in an offbeat, beautiful way from other movies made in the same era. Mm -hmm. And the humility of Ernest got me wondering and excited about the next couple of Ernest films because it got me thinking, will Ernest change? In the other right. films, will he have? Will Either he want to be? Will he become more raunchy because yeah. maybe a different producer made Ernest goes to jail? Will he be goofier because that's what the people wanted by the time it was the late eighties? Instead, those are the things that I'm curious about seeing. Or will Jim Varney retain the humility of this first film? Well, we know he's lovable. You know, I don't imagine right. he'll lose that. But so much of this was about his very clear objective of wanting to be a counselor. Right. You wonder if that will, if he's still like a former counselor. Yeah, as the that's movie, a good point. You know what I mean? Like, or does point, he want Josh. something else? Like, it is Ernest in the next film still the Ernest who worked at this camp, who's now Ernest going to jail, or is it like just Ernest starting over? This Ernest of this film, same character but different situation. I don't know. Does he retain his history? It will be interesting because we will retain his history, so we can kind of stand him up beside his former self and see exactly you know like he would never do that and Ernest goes to camp but here he is you know hurting a kid or something like we'll, we'll be able to yeah call bullshit on that pretty quickly because I've been reading Jim Varney's autobiography written by his nephew Justin and you can just tell that he's like an awesome guy so that translates mm -hmm. through into the character that he plays but I think even more so than that I was surprised that he wasn't stupid 
Yeah, he's not stupid. He's very smart. Like, everything he's that he smart. suggests, he knows how to live in the woods. He knows how to fix problems. He's, he's clumsy, he's cl- I was to gonna be say, sure. He's clumsy, he's awkward, but he's not, you know... And he's got a real knack for, like, appearing stupid by the time... By his demeanor. Or, like, by the time that Tipton or whoever's in charge, the chief, right. like, he's put his foot in it. Right. But he's not stupid. No. The and kids think he is just by how he acts, but... The kids were the ones that really disappointed me in this. Yeah, not, they're brutal. Like, they were so brutal. Yeah. And even the kids that we were supposed to like more, they were not uh, They were not good enough to Ernest. No, they were not. The only one that was kind of good to him a little bit was... was Because uh, they were commiserating his about how... Oh, his buddy he saved. Moose. Was it Moose? Yeah. Moose. 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 What a film. It was Listen, a great Frank, film. I'm sorry that South by Southwest got canceled, but in a way, what we did... Listen, we watched a movie, we reviewed it. We watched a film, we talked about it. That's what film festivals are, you know, babe? It's true, we had our own film festival. Happy festival. Thanks, as always, for joining me. And I can't wait to learn more about Ernest. I kind of love him. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a lovable, lovable guy. And uh, I think that's just Jim Varney's heart coming out there. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, all. Thanks, guys. That's Ernest Goes to Camp. We will return next time with... Ernest Goes to Jail. Ooh. Hey. I'm so sorry for him. What yeah, did he do I, we got to find out. Maybe oh, another accident can Kiki or something. He'll die in there. No, he'll be fine. He'll You're right. He's very smart. He finds a way. Thanks, Burns. Love you. See ya.